This is a Saddleback Church podcast. I'm talking today about the key to your greatest success. And in this message, I'm going to ask a lot of questions. I like to ask questions. There's something about questions that, you know, somebody once said, if you ask great questions, you get great answers. And if you ask bad questions, you get bad answers. And if you ask no questions, you get no answers. Exactly. So I want to ask some questions. There, there is a quest in every question. There's a search, a hunt for meaning, for answers, for truth. So I have some questions to ask you today. And I want to start with this question. Do you ever, do you ever wonder if what you're doing with your life really matters? You think about the life that you're building, and you just say, is there more to it than this? Is there something else, something greater that's supposed to be going on in my life? If you've ever wondered that, if you've ever asked yourself that question, then I, I have some good news for you. In the words of my dear friend Rick Warren, you remember him, don't you? In the words of my good friend Rick Warren, your life is not about you. You were made by God, and you were made for God. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. There's something he wants to do through you. There's something amazing he wants to do through you, something that could only be done through your life because you're the only you. And so the world that you have is, that's it. You're the only one that God can use in your world to do what he wants to do. The Bible says this in Ephesians chapter two. It's, it's a favorite verse of a lot of us. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Now I wanna make this verse really personal for all of us. So here's what I want you to do. You all have message notes. And the, the very first blank, I want you to write your name. Get out a pen and I want you to write your name in that blank. Don't think about it, don't overthink this. Just do it, just write it down, it's really important, okay? You know what your name is, fill in the blank. Got it? Because we're gonna read this out loud. And I want you to read it like you believe it's true. So let's read this out loud together, what you just wrote. For I, say your name. Okay, you already don't believe what I'm saying here, okay? We're gonna do this again, all right? Here we go. For I am God's masterpiece. He has created me anew in Christ Jesus so I can do the good things he planned for me long ago. Did anybody here have a hard time saying that out loud? Anybody here struggle with even writing your name on that line because you could see what was coming? Anybody struggle with that? Is it just too much to believe? Is it too good to be true? Well, it is true. This is the word of God. This is what God says about you. And he's either telling the truth or he's lying. And God cannot lie. This is how God sees you. You may not see it that way, but that's how he sees it. He says, you're a masterpiece. 
Now, some of you may feel like the Mona Lisa, and some of you may feel like one of those Picassos with both eyes on the same side of your head, you know. It doesn't really matter what we think. What matters is what God says. And this is what God says. God made you who you are, and he gave you what you have so that you can do the things that he wants you to do. That's what that verse says. God made you who you are, and he gave you what you have so you can do the things that he wants you to do. The Bible says this in 1 Chronicles 29. It says, everything in heaven and earth is yours, O Lord, so everything comes from you. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. Everything you have is a gift from God. Everything. And you may say, well, wait a minute. I worked really hard to get what I have and to be where I am. Well, I'm sure you did. But who gave you the ability to work? Everything starts with God. It all comes from him. In the Transferring Trust series that we're just wrapping up, Pastor Andy has been talking with us about the stewardship of our resources, of trusting God with the things that he's already entrusted to us. But what I want to talk about today is is an area of your life you might not have thought much about when it comes to stewardship. I want to talk about the stewardship of your influence. The stewardship of your influence, because God expects you to use your influence to serve him and to serve other people. Now, I'm not talking about taking selfies and posting them on Instagram to show the world how wonderful you are. I'm talking about something so much bigger than that, so much more eternal, grander than just that. Because remember, your life is not about you. So what exactly is influence? Well, if you look it up in the dictionary, here's something you could write down. Here's what influence is. Influence is the power to affect how someone develops, acts, or thinks. It's the power to affect how someone develops, acts, or thinks. So here's another question. When you think of the people in your world around you, how are the people in your world developing? You can think about your kids or your spouse, the people you work with or go to school with, your neighbors, your customers, your constituents. How are the people in your world developing? What kind of people are they becoming? What are you doing to to build godly character in their lives? Are they becoming better people because of you? Is their world a better world, their life a better life because you have stepped in. So how are they developing? And how are they acting? What are you doing to influence their behavior and the way they live their life, the decisions that they're making? And how are they thinking? What are you doing to influence their decisions and their values? You think about the importance of values in a life, especially those of us who are parents, who have, who have kids. What are we doing to build values in their life? Because the values in your life are like, are like the riverbanks that direct the course of life. Your values are like the guardrails on the highway that keep you from falling off into a ditch. And everybody has values that determine the decisions that they make. So what are we doing to help influence the values of the people in our lives? So how are they, 
How are they developing? How are they acting? And how are they thinking? One of the most important things you'll do in your life is pass on your wisdom to somebody else. And if you're anywhere close to my age, well, by now you've probably decided who's going to inherit all your stuff, whatever that might be. I got a garage load of stuff. My kids don't even want to go in there. But hey, they get it. It's all yours, kids. I often say my garage is the colon of the house. I think you heard me. But but here's the question. You've decided who's going to inherit all your stuff. The question is, who's going to inherit your wisdom? What do you know that needs to be passed on to another generation? Is it all just going to be gone when you're gone? Who's going to inherit your wisdom? All of that is part of influence. And whether you know it or not, God has given you influence, and he expects you to use it for his purposes, for his glory, to shape the world around you. And it takes a, it takes a reframing, a reconsidering of how you see yourself, because God expects me not to master the world, but to serve the world. He expects me not to master the world, but to serve the world. And you might say, well, look, I don't really want to be a servant. I don't want to serve anybody. I just want to mind my own business, build my own life, rule my own little world, make my money, and just let the world do what the world's going to do. But that kind of thinking is so short-sighted. God wants you to think with eternity in mind. It's actually, it's actually selfish thinking because what God does in the world, he does through people. So what God does in your world, he wants to do through you. And if he doesn't do it through you, it's not gonna get done because what God does, he does through people. That's why he gave you what you have because there's something he wants to do through your life. Jesus said it this way in Mark chapter eight. He said, self-sacrifice is the way, my way to saving yourself, your true self. What good would it do to get everything you want and lose you, the real you? So you weren't put in this world just to live for yourself. You were put here to be an influence for God and for good. And someday, you're gonna give an account to God for what you did with your influence. So what does it look like to be an influence for God? Well, you can think about the difference between a thermometer and a thermostat. A thermometer simply tells the temperature. A thermostat sets the climate. A thermometer adjusts itself to reflect the current conditions, but a thermostat shapes the future. And God doesn't want you to be a thermometer, just rising and falling at the whim of others. Just saying, just tell me how the rest of the world is thinking. Tell me the values they're living by, and I'll just accommodate all of that and just fit right in. I'll adjust myself to that. God wants you to be a thermostat. He wants you to influence the climate around you, the cultural climate, the moral climate, the political climate, the relational climate, the the spiritual climate. He wants you to influence that in your home and at school and at work, wherever you go. And if you're doing nothing to influence the world for God 
and for good, then you're just a thermometer. You're just saying, look, just tell me what everybody else thinks, and I'll just go with that. I'll just blend right in. If you're a thermometer, you're not changing the world. The world is changing you. Here's what the Bible says about that. In Romans chapter 12, verse two, it says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. In other words, he's saying, don't live by their values. Don't act according to their standards. Ephesians chapter 4, 17 says something very similar. Paul says, I tell you and I encourage you in the Lord's name not to live any longer like other people in the world. Their minds are set on worthless things. The New Living Translation says they're hopelessly confused. And the reason they're confused is that they just keep getting pulled back and forth by every new fad, every new idea, every new issue. And you cannot build your life if your foundation is always shifting. Where a thermometer says, how can I be like the world? A thermostat says, how can I make the world a better place? How can I improve the climate around me? Does something need to be corrected? Does the heat need to be turned up? Do things need to be cooled down? How can I set the climate and not just reflect the climate? A thermometer can only tell you how things are. But a thermostat can tell you how things could be. And that's one of the most important lessons in leadership and influence, is not just to tell it like it is, but to tell it like it could be. To envision a future. To envision a life and call people into it and influence them in ways that will improve their life and improve the world around them. This is what kingdom work is about, of doing the work of our king, Jesus Christ, to influence the world for him. This is why Jesus commanded us to be salt and light in the world, to enhance and improve the flavor of the conversation that's going on in the world around us, to preserve decency and morality, and to shine the light into dark places, to help people find their way to truth, to help people find their way to Jesus. This is why he gave us the Great Commission. He said, go into the world and make disciples. He didn't say, go into the church and make disciples. He said, go out into the world, go out there and bring change to people out there. Go into the world and affect it, influence it. Make a difference for my kingdom. A thermometer can confirm a man's suspicions or it can just lull him into complacency. Only a thermostat can give him hope. So here's a question you can write down. Am I a thermometer or a thermostat? How's my life? Am I a thermometer or a thermostat? You may say, well, how can I influence anybody for God? You don't know anything about me. I'm not a holy person. I'm not qualified to speak for him. I'm not gifted in any special way. I don't have any credentials for God to use me. Oh, sure you do. I know you do. You see, God is not looking for people who are qualified. God is not looking for people who are able. He's looking for people who are available. 
He's looking for people who will just say yes. For people who will say, God, you gave it all to me. It's all yours anyway. Just use it however you want to. He's looking for people like that. Here's what the Bible says in 2 Chronicles 16.9. It says, the eyes of the Lord search. He's looking. The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. That means that God is looking for someone just like you who will say yes to him. So let's think about the kind of people that God uses. What kind of person does God use? Well, if you look in the Bible, you find that God so often uses the least likely people, the ones you would never expect him to use. It's amazing to study the lives of all the great people in scripture because you find that God used liars, he used thieves, he used prostitutes, he used adulterers. So your failures, your brokenness, whatever it is, whatever your backstory is, does not disqualify you from God's purpose in your life. It doesn't disqualify you from being used by God. One of the most famous people in the Bible that God used was a man named Moses. You all remember Moses, don't you? He is the guy that looked just like Charlton Heston. Remember him? I think we have a picture of him. There he is, see? I told you. He looks just like Charlton Heston. But here's the thing about Moses that we so easily forget. Moses was a murderer and a fugitive. He had been one of the wealthiest and most powerful men in the world. He was a prince in Egypt, but he had to run from the law because of the things he did. And he wound up living in the backside of a desert, herding sheep for his father-in-law for 40 years. 40 years, think about that. 40 years in obscurity. 40 years in a desert. 40 years living with the memory of his failure. 40 years haunted by dreams of what could have been if he hadn't messed his life up so badly. Talk about a failure. He's a nobody in the middle of nowhere with nothing to show for his life. Even the sheep belong to somebody else. But God knew who Moses was and he knew where Moses was. And one day, God showed up and talked to this nobody. It was a day just like any other day in Moses' life. There was nothing special about this day. It was just the middle of the mundane tasks of life. He's just doing his job. And he had a God encounter. God came to Moses and he said, Moses, I have something that I want you to do. What I love about that is that God knew Moses' name. And he knew where he was. And God knows your name. And he knows where you are. He knows how you got there. He knows your backstory. There's nothing that's gonna surprise God about you. He knows everything about you. And he knows your name and he has a plan and a purpose for you just like he had for Moses. Now get this. God didn't meet Moses in church. He wasn't in a Sunday school class. Moses was not on a spiritual retreat. Moses was not in seminary. Moses had not even read The Purpose Driven Life. 
He's just doing his job. It's a blue-collar job. He's just taking care of a bunch of sheep. He's in a wilderness. So having a personal encounter with the God of the universe was probably the last thing on Moses' mind when he woke up that morning. It was just another day. But that's where God met him. And God told Moses that he had a plan and a purpose for his life. He said, I want you to go back to Egypt, back to the place of your failure. I want you to go back to Egypt and lead your people out of slavery and into freedom. God was saying, Moses, your life is not about you. This life, whatever it is that you think you've built, it's not about you. There's something so much greater that I want you to do. So now I want to I pick up in Exodus chapter 4 because Moses is full of questions. So here's what happens. It says, Moses asked God, well, what if your people do not believe me? What if your people don't listen to me? What if the people say, the Lord didn't appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. And Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake. And he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. God asked Moses one of the most important questions in all of the Bible, what is in your hand? And I believe that it's a question he wants to ask every one of us today. What's in your hand? You know, when God asks you a question, it's not because he's looking for information. He just wants to make sure that you know what he knows. It's kind of like, you know, I've got four kids, and when my kids were little and they were doing something dumb, and I'd say, what are you doing? And they would say, I don't know, right? Well, I knew what they were doing. I wasn't looking for information. I just wanted them to be aware of what they were doing. When God asks you a question, he's not looking for information. He just wants you to be aware of something that he already knows about. So what was in Moses' hand? A shepherd's staff. What was the significance of that staff? Well, there are three things that it represented in Moses' life. You can write these down. The first thing is that staff represented his security. It's what he leaned on for support. It's what kept him stable, kept him from falling. It's what he depended on. It's how he defended and protected himself. So the staff represented his sense of security. Second, it represented his identity, his occupation, how he provided for himself, his purpose in life. It, it represented how he defined himself, a shepherd. It's a shepherd's staff. And third, it represented his influence, how he exercised authority. That's what he used to move the sheep. And God was saying, Moses, if you will give me your security, what you're leaning on for support, if you will give me your identity, your occupation, how you provide for yourself, what you're doing with your life, and if you will give me your influence, your capacity to affect other people, if you'll give me that, I will empower it, and it will come to life. 
and I will do miraculous things through you. And so when Moses laid his staff down, it came alive, and it became an instrument of great power. It took courage for Moses to let go of that staff because he didn't know what was gonna happen. But that staff, that was his livelihood. It represented the last 40 years of his life. And God said, throw it down, let it go, give it to me. I think it took even more courage for Moses to pick it up again, because now it's a snake. And he's going, whoa, is this thing gonna bite me? Am I gonna get hurt? Am I in danger? Is this God's way of punishing me for my, my failures and my mistakes over all these years? But in faith and in obedience, Moses picked it up, and from that day forward, in fact, from that moment forward, that staff in Moses' hand is no longer called Moses' staff. It's now called the staff of God. It was the same staff, but it was a new staff. There was power in it that had never been there before. When God gave it back to Moses, it took on a new identity and a new purpose. When God gave back to Moses what Moses had given to God, God blessed it and Moses performed miracles with it because that staff was now in his hand. That blessed, transformed staff was now in Moses' hands and with that staff, he split the Red Sea. With that staff, he turned the water in the Nile into blood. With that staff, he filled the land with the plague of locusts. With that staff in his hand, he struck the rock in the wilderness and water came out of it. With that blessed, transformed staff, Moses led God's people into freedom. With that surrendered, empowered, transformed staff. In other words, when Moses gave God his security, his identity, and his influence, that's when Moses changed the world. That's when his life took on meaning that he never dreamed he would have. Moses discovered a whole new purpose in life. He went from leading sheep to leading a nation. Because Moses gave what was in his hand to God, God used it as a tool to shape history. And we've been talking about Moses ever since. He was never the same again. So what about you? You wanna have a life that's worth talking about in the right ways, for the right reasons? You wanna make a difference? You wanna shape history? It all begins with a question. What's in your hand? What has God given to you? What do I need to surrender to him for his blessing? So I have four crucial questions that I want you to write down and think about. The first question is, what am I leaning on for security? What am I leaning on for security? What does that look like for me? What, what am I looking to for support? This could be your abilities, your intellect, your wealth, 
your good looks, your self-confidence, your strengths. What am I leaning on for security? The second question, what is my identity? How do I define myself? For so many of us, it's our occupation, just like Moses was a shepherd. But it's our, our business. That's, that's where our identity is. It's, that's where our source of income is. That's how we define our personal fulfillment, our personal success. What is my identity? Third question, who is in my sphere of influence? Who's in my sphere of influence? Who are the people around you, your family, your coworkers, your friends, the people you go to school with, your contacts and networks? Who is in your life and how can you engage them for God's purposes? What difference can you make in their life? And the fourth question is what can God do through me if I give it all to him? What can God do through me if I give it all to him? God says lay it down and I will bless it and I will empower it and I will do wonderful, miraculous things through your life that will influence history and it will change your world. It will change the people around you and your life will never be the same. No matter how much or how little you possess or control, God says, I'll use whatever you've got because after all, I gave it to you to begin with. Remember, everything comes from God. So what is in your hand? Think about it. You might say, well, you know, I really don't have much. I don't have much of anything. Are you kidding me? What did Moses have in his hand? A stick. <laughs> a stick. That's all the guy had to show for his life. A stick. Surely you have more than a stick. You need to take inventory. It's time to take an inventory and to ask yourself a question. So you can do this when you get home. Now, I know I'm giving you lots of questions and I'm giving you lots of homework, but this is so important because this can affect your whole destiny. This can set the legacy of your life. The only way to leave a legacy is first to live a legacy. How do you want to be remembered? And what decisions are you making now that will lead to the result that you hope for. We have to ask ourselves these questions. Remember, there's a quest in every question. We have to search for the truth. It's so important for us, because God didn't put us here just to waste time. There's a purpose for you, every single one of us in this room. How do you want to be remembered? So I want you to take a few minutes today and ask yourself that question. What's in my hand? And take an inventory. And I put in your notes a list of some words just to sort of prime the pump, just to get you started on thinking, well, what are the things God's given me? So for example, he's given you relationships, contacts, networks. Who are those people he's put around you? He's given you talents and abilities. Have you ever stopped to list them out, what God has given you? He's given you energy, he's given you strengths, he's given you intelligence, ideas, passions, interests. He's given you resources, money, possessions, time. There's so many things God has already put in your hands and God says, if you'll just give me your business, if you'll give me your family, 
If you will give me your talents and your relationships, your strengths, your ideas, your health, your time, your resources, if you'll give me your influence, I will take all of that. If you'll give me your life, I'll take it all. And I will bless it. I will empower it. And I will do miracles through you and bless the world through you in ways you never dreamed could be possible. And together we will influence history. God says, if I can do all I did through that man who only had a stick, imagine what I can do through your life if you just say yes. Yes. Well, you ask, well, what miracles could God do through my life? Well, I'll tell you, he'll do whatever you permit him to do. Now, is God going to use you to lead a nation? Probably not. But he might use you to change your community. He will certainly use you to influence your family and the people that you work with, the people you go to school with, your friends. He will use you to bring hope to people who are in despair. He'll use you to bring healing to broken people. He'll use you to change lives that are headed in the wrong direction. He'll use you to make the world a better place. He'll give you new ideas, new hopes, new dreams, new visions of how you can influence the world around you. He's just waiting for you to say yes. What can God do through you? Look at Ephesians 3.20. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask. God is able to do immeasurably more than all we imagine. What are you imagining that God can do through you? It says he can do more than that. He can blow your mind. He can do immeasurably more than all we imagine according to his power that is at work within us. And his power begins working in us when we hand it all over to God and say yes. Here's the staff. I'm throwing it on the ground, Lord God, and I'm asking you to empower it. And from that point, he says, I'll do more than you ever dreamed was possible. Look again at this verse from 2 Chronicles 16.9. It's here on the screen. We read it earlier today. The eyes of the Lord are searching. He's looking. They search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. You may have come here today looking for answers, but I believe that God brought you here today because he is looking for answers. He wants to ask you, what is in your hand? And remember, it's not because he doesn't know. He just wants to make sure that you're aware of what he has placed in your hand. There is nothing more magnificent than a man or a woman who is fully surrendered to God they are truly, as we read in Ephesians 2 at the beginning of this message, they are truly a masterpiece, created anew in Christ Jesus to do the good things that God planned for them long ago. Your greatest success is not measured by you. Your greatest success is measured by God. And it all starts with surrender. So here's the last thing you can write down in your notes. The key to my greatest success is surrender. In the days ahead, when you think back on this service, 
on Father's Day of 2023. Will today just have been another day? Will this service have just been another service? Just another time when a bald-headed preacher is going yada, 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 yada. Or will you look back at this day, at this moment, at this message, this challenge, and say, that was a turning point in my life. That was a grace moment that I seized where I responded. I made a decision that day. I decided to give God everything, and God changed everything. And since that day, I've never felt as purposeful, as meaningful, or as hopeful as I do right now. One day, God is going to ask you two questions. You're gonna stand before him. He's gonna ask you two questions. First, he's gonna ask you, what'd you do with my son, Jesus Christ? Did you open your heart to him? Did you reconcile with me through him? Did you receive his gift of forgiveness? Did you surrender your life to Jesus? He's gonna ask you, what did you do with my son? And the second question he'll ask you is, what did you do with what I gave you? Did you just spend it all on yourself, in your own pleasure, your own definition of success, or, or did you use some of that for my purposes, for eternal purposes, for an eternal destiny? It all begins with that question. What's in your hands? My prayer is that we can all say to the Lord, I gave it all back to you, Lord. I live my life for the glory of God. And in return, you will hear the Lord say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's pray about this. Would you bow your heads and let's, let's talk to the Lord a little bit. Father, we're thankful we're thankful for the way you have created us, for the things that you have given us. You're a good God. You know what you're doing. Your word says you put us together. You formed us in our mother's wombs. And that you've had a plan and a purpose for each of us long before we were conceived. Lord, I pray that you would direct all of us into your kingdom purposes for our lives, that we will be people who live for the glory of God, that we will be a people who take inventory, who pay attention to what you've given us and who will use it for your purposes. God, I wanna be a man who makes a difference. And I believe we all wanna be people who make an eternal difference. So today, Lord, we say yes. In your own heart today, just say yes. And I come back to that question that God wants to ask you when you stand before him. What did you do with my son, Jesus? In this quiet moment of prayer, search your heart. Can you say with confidence that you have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ? Can you say with confidence, yes, I've surrendered my life to Jesus. 
I accepted his gift of forgiveness. You know if you have a relationship with Jesus, just like you know you have a driver's license in your wallet. You either do or you don't. And I wanna give you the opportunity to clear that up today. This could be your moment. This could be the day that changes everything for you. So in the quietness of your own heart, just pray this way. Just say, God, I, I don't understand it all, but I know that I need you. I know I need a relationship, a personal relationship with you, God. And so with as much as I know how and as much of me as I understand, I give myself to you. I open my heart to Jesus Christ. I receive your gift of forgiveness through Jesus. Jesus, I ask you to be my director, my Lord, my manager of my life. God, I ask you to help me to live a life that is according to your plan and your purpose. And Father, for all of us, I pray that you will continue to speak to us, continue to move us in this quest for the answers to these questions. Speak to us today, Lord, and let this church be a place, a gathering of people who truly live for the glory of God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this weekend message from Saddleback Church. If you like this, please consider leaving a rating or review for this podcast. The Saddleback Church Weekend Message Podcast is a part of the Saddleback family of podcasts. Visit saddleback.com slash podcasts or search for Saddleback Church in your favorite podcasting app to see more great podcasts from Saddleback. For more Weekend Message resources, visit saddleback.com slash message resources.